just tell you that um, there's a number of people here who can hopefully ask questions if we have them, uh, including Chief Koval. We have a representative from uh, the city attorney's office. Our director of the Equal Opportunities Commission's here, and, and other staff. We've provided a uh, packet of information. That packet includes a document put out by the American Immigration Council on Sanctuary Cities. And let me just tell you at this point that there's a lot of questions and controversy over just what is a sanctuary city. And by time we're done, I'll be, uh, I think I'll be telling you that I don't think it makes much difference given what uh, President Trump has done. You uh, will see Cities for Action document here. Uh, the city of Madison has been active with Cities for Action for several years now. We're one of the original uh, members of the group. And uh, we have taken a very firm position on immigration reform and the need to respect uh, the rights and the dignity of, of everyone who's in this country. Um, is there another document that's part of the, the packet we provided? I can't recall now. Uh, but if not, uh, let, me, let me begin and then we will hear from uh, a couple of, of, of folks who have been very active and uh, very uh, forthright in their leadership in regards to, to immigration rights. The city of Madison will not waver in its efforts to protect the rights of everyone within our jurisdiction, regardless of status, while we maintain the core values of the Madison Police Department. The constitutional principle is very simple. We are not employees or agents of the federal government, particularly Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE. We will not use our local police department as a tool to enforce federal immigration laws. The trust between our police department and the people we serve is more important than our violating the Constitution and improperly detaining individuals. If we stop someone for a traffic violation or a misdemeanor, we have no right to compromise that person's freedom through detention without a lawful court order. We will cooperate with immigration federal authorities when legal. That means complying with a constitutional detainer request, which is most likely to occur when a serious crime or felony occurs, such as an assault. Nowhere, nowhere in our agreements with the federal government, housing, transportation, health, economic development, or public safety, does it state that as a recipient of federal funds that we agreed to illegally or unconstitutionally detain individuals. We will vigorously contest any attempt by the Trump administration to deprive Madison of funding, especially when unconstitutionally coerced. I want to assure all of our residents and visitors 
that public safety is our top priority, and that means building and strengthening police-community relations. The Madison Police Department works hard to build and preserve trust with the communities it serves, which means everyone. Immigrants in our city must be able to trust all city departments, including the police department. Denying federal funds to cities that aim to build trusting and supportive relations with immigrant communities is misguided, wrong, and unconstitutional. Given the actions of President Trump, we are now all sanctuary cities. Every city in this nation is now subject to yet-to-be-determined standards for local law enforcement. We do not know if the Trump government will cross any constitutional standards in requiring local police departments to act in an unconstitutional manner, but let us be clear. The decisions related to how law enforcement agencies prioritize their resources, direct their workforce, and define the duties of their employees resides with us. This includes the role of the Madison Police Department in immigration enforcement. Effective policing cannot be achieved by forcing an unwanted role upon the police by threat of sanctions or withholding of federal funding. I want to recognize that there is a conversation over the technicality of what constitutes a sanctuary city. This has been noted by the United States Conference of Mayors and by the American Immigration Council. Some argue that to be truly a sanctuary city, there must be no compliance with the federal government, even when presented with a proper detainer, as an instance where an individual has been apprehended for a felony. By that standard, we are not a sanctuary city. I note that many cities that call themselves sanctuary cities apply that standard as outlined in statements from New York, Los Angeles, and Seattle. And let me, uh, let me read from the statement of Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles, who has been a prominent, vibrant leader on this subject and continues to, to speak out. Referring to Los Angeles, he says, we regularly cooperate with immigration authorities, particularly in cases that involve serious crimes, and always comply with constitutional detainer requests. What we don't do is ask local police officers to enforce federal immigration laws. And that is consistent with the policies uh, of, of the city and of the Madison Police Department. We will continue to operate, as I've described, which is consistent with the statement of sanctuary adopted by the Madison City Council on June 1, 2010. That statement, in part, states that the city will resist using local law enforcement to enforce federal immigration law because it endangers an atmosphere of divisiveness, fear, and mistrust, which is unhealthy for our society and especially harmful for a diverse community like Madison. Instead of making the community safer, these efforts have had the effect of alienating the immigrant communities and reducing cooperation with the police, creating fear, discouraging the reporting of crime, and victimizing victims. Uh, before we go any further, I do want to note that uh, Alderman Liddell Zellers 
and Alderman uh, Samba Baldith are, are here uh, and, and, and have. Ah, Alderwoman McKenney, thank you, are, are here. At this time, I'd like to turn to the director of Centro Hispano, uh, Karen Menendez Collier. Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming. Um, I hope everybody's feeling the pressure that we're all under. Um, it's a real urgent time in our city and in our community. Um, but like many of the families that we work with tell us, it's not something new. So it's just another barrier that's being put on in front of them um, to try to overcome to be successful in this country. Um, at Centro, we really believe that we will continue with our mission to empower youth, strengthen families, and engage communities. And we will, moreover, strengthen the pillar of engaging community. I urge every single one of you to take seriously what equity means to you in this city and to speak out when it comes to the needs of communities you may not know, you may not understand, get informed, and become an advocate for them just as much as we are becoming an advocate for them through the work that we do at Centro. It's a very urgent time, um, and it's going to take each and every one of us to fight what's going to be coming towards us through the federal government and to say that we are going to resist, and together we're not going to let this affect the lives of our families and our youth that are uh, facing the challenges that are going to be put up in front of us. So although we are disappointed that this is the route that this country is headed in, um, we are going to be active in making sure that it's not the direction where we're headed long term. And so we take every day a step at a time, um, and with the leadership of the clients, the families, the youth and adults that we serve, understand that their resilience is something that we must also possess and that this is only a passing, passing moment in our journey to a more equitable city, county, and future. Um, I really applaud the mayor's statements about supporting our community. I think we need strong voices at this time. We need vocal voices that say that we're going to do as much as we possibly can to support our families. Um, and I just urge each and every one of you to be vocal on your end um, to speak out for equity in this community. So thank you. Oh, yeah. I want to introduce Grisel Tapia, who is a vibrant and active voice in this community. She's also very active in Voces de la Frontera and is a, a colleague and a friend um, to the podium. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Um, uh, thank you so much for the um, warm introduction, Karen. My name is Grisel Tapia Claudio, and I am a member and also Madison organizer for Voces de la Frontera. And we are very concerned uh, what is going on within our immigrant community. I have heard from many Latino parents like, what, what's next? What should we expect? And it is really hard to, to let them know that at this point we don't know other than being safe. Um, there are many struggles right now in the schools, like, you know, kids are going to the nurse because they have stomachache or they feel bad. Um, it's not that they're sick, but there is just this anxiety and anxiety and stress that they're facing. So um, it is really um, an urgency for us to be together as a community and to 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 come up with efforts to bring this message um, to 
uh, President Trump that uh, we are here, we exist, and these challenges are really hard to face um, right now. So again, thank you. And you know, um, like I said before, no human being is illegal. No hay ser humano que sea ilegal. Thank you. Well, uh, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Sam Balde, Older for District 17. I guess reality is here. Uh, a couple of months ago, we didn't think this will be reality, but uh, I think now we all know it's a reality. And this is not just against the immigrant uh, 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 members of our community or the Muslim uh, uh, community or the gay and lesbian community or any other community. This is against the American people. We cannot let this happen. And all of us has to not let this happen. We got to stand up to Donald Trump. Uh, America is a country of laws. Uh, it's not a country where you can dictate what you want to do every day you get up from your bed. So uh, let us all be geared up to make sure that we are ready to face the fight. And what that means is we all have to be involved. Everybody got to be part of this. Part of this. The media, you know what is going on. You are enemy number one. So you've got to go out there and find out what is going on in the community. Engage the community. Uh, don't just look at cheap uh, news stories or events and go after them. Be out in the community and find out what is going on. It is all our challenges to make sure that this community is safe for everybody. Uh, as a follow-up to this, uh, we have been organizing uh, together with the mayor's office, uh, the common council, and also uh, leaders within the community, uh, a forum. Uh, this is scheduled for uh, this uh, Sunday at the Monona Trace from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, we'll provide daycare services. Uh, we'll provide uh, uh, interpreters. Uh, we are also working with the UW to provide uh, uh, counselors for people who may be distressed or something like that. Uh, we expect everybody to, to, to send this word around. Like I said, this is not just about the Muslim community, the immigrant community, the Latino community, or other minority groups. This is about the United States of America. We have always worked hard to make sure the union is better for everybody. That is going down the drain. We can't let it happen. Thank you. My name is Liddell Sellers, and I'm alder for District 2 in the city of Madison. First, I want to thank our mayor, our community groups, our police force, and other alders in the city who really are committed to being a city of equity and fairness. And I agree with what uh, was said before. We all have to stand up for what we know is the right thing to do and not allow a bully, even if that bully is the president, to quell our desire and our actions for a fair and equitable community. So thank you for being here, and uh, I will turn this over to Alder Barbara McKinney if she wants to add anything. Good afternoon, and thank you very much for the opportunity to stand in this space. I stand in this space because we are in a place of urgency, and I want all of us to know that this is a place of urgency. When we talk about two Madisons, and we as a city and city council, we have been trying very hard to say that, no, we are one, and we are collaborating, and then the mayor and then also the police chief. We are working really hard to make Madison a place where everyone can feel safe. 
and we um, we are inviting you to stand with us to say that Madison is a place where everyone can feel that they can be safe in their community. And so we are at a place in a sense of urgency. And as elected officials, we stand. We stand with the mayor. We stand with the police. We, stay, we stand collectively with our community to say that we can do better than this, and we will do better than this. Thank you. I think that uh, to some in our community, uh, this may appear to be somewhat uh, overstated, perhaps a little bit borderline dramatic. And I can tell you fact certain that nothing that has been said up here today, not one word has been over the top or subject to hyperbole. I've been in a unique position over the last several months that I have a two-hour radio call-in show, shameless plug, uh, on La Movida. And I bring officers uh, from Amigos and Azul to act as the translators, and we take whatever questions the community has to ask. And leading up to the election, the apprehension uh, was clearly palpable. And when we go on next month, I can only imagine what sort of hysteria will be involved in those calls. As, a, as an example, Authentically, the universality of emotion can be heard no matter what tongue you have, what language you have, what dialect. I literally was asked the question at the last show was, I have five outstanding parking tickets. I'm working very hard to pay for them. Will you and ICE be coming to my door to deport me? And... I am glad there's like about a seven-second filter through FCA rules because I would have, my first volunteered statement uh, probably would have been profane and astounded that we have so galvanized people into palpable fear and apprehension that it has now come to this. And the predicate for this is that uh, somehow or another that we have misdeeds and crime and criminality running rampant around us. And I can tell you that that is not the case in our community. We would never act as a shield for what anybody in this room could agree on is objectionable, criminal, predatory behavior. That's not what this is about. But owing to the open-endedness of these executive orders, we now have created turmoil that cuts across so many lines. This year, coming up to our police academy class, I see one of our students here from the fourth estate. We began to train, and I always select a book for the recruits to have to read before they get to the academy, and then we have weekly breakout schedules, and we talk about these issues. So given the dynamics of the election that we just went through, the book that I assigned for them to read was Lives in Limbo by Professor Roberto Gonzalez. And interestingly enough, it tracks the, the sad plight of a case study of over a decade in time in which the plight of Latino youth is chronicled in terms of them being given the, the incentive that with education all things will free you. 
And the reality is that owing to the obstacles and the barriers that we have instituted in our country, that such is not the case. And frankly, when we look at the results of the past 24 to 48 hours, I believe we can now take that sad concentric circle of lives in limbo that was initially focusing on a group of young Latino youth making their way through educational circles to now whole demographics of our country not knowing now what their lives will be like. And they are certainly in limbo given the open-endedness of all of this. So the Madison police uh, will not be doing anything different than we've done before. It will have to come from some sort of a, fed a federal legislative mandate and or potentially litigation. But uh, it's not that we are shielding people from criminality, but we are including and having people from everywhere access those services that will make this community safer and is more in keeping with community policing tenants. Thank you. Before we go to, to questions, let me uh, uh, tell you the outcome of conversations I've had with uh, other people who have been working on this around the country in terms of what we think will happen because no one yet really knows uh, what uh, President Trump's executive order is uh, supposed to do. But here is, is our best estimate as to what uh, might proceed. The director of ICE is going to be compelled to draw up standards for performance by local police departments. Those standards may or may not cross what we believe is the important constitutional lines. When that happens, there may already be litigation challenging the standards. But in any case, it's the Trump administration's plan, we believe, to then start going through the list of every city in the country that receives federal funding and to see whether or not they apply those standards. Whether they're going to start with the large cities like New York and, and Chicago and Los Angeles or smaller cities like Anaheim, California, and New Haven, Connecticut is yet to be seen. But certainly at that point, there will be uh, litigation. There will be litigation challenging the standards, challenging the legality under U.S. Code, and the constitutionality under the Tenth Amendment. It's unlikely that Madison would be one of the municipalities to initiate the litigation. We believe it will probably start in California, where there would be the most sympathetic federal courts. As has been the past on such litigation, however, the city of Madison most likely will then join in as a friend of the court and support that litigation. Over what period of time it will take for this to unfold is, is anyone's guess. Uh, it is possible 
that just based on the executive order, some municipality on the basis that they believe that the rights of their community have been threatened uh, may, may file uh, to get some kind of restraining order. So there's all kinds of permutations and combinations of what might happen, uh, but we, we are going to remain firm. Um, I've seen lists saying that there's 32 sanctuary cities. My understanding and my list is closer to 200. Um, and that gets me to two final points. First, this president has absolutely no sense of proportion. Whether we are talking about this particular order or the $8 billion wall, I mean, just imagine what $8 billion could do in this country, put into our public schools, put into high-speed Internet, put into public transportation, put into health care. It's just, just astounding. The other thing I'd, I'd like to share with you is this. I'm old enough to have experienced going to public school in the 1950s when we had to prepare for nuclear war and go through drills. I've also gone through the Cuban Missile Crisis. And while I take a great deal of comfort in what Chief Koval has said about um, our, our community being solid and, and we are going to stay together. I want to point out in terms of the instability of the world, I think that this is a far more serious time in our history than the 1950s with the threat of nuclear war, the 1960s, uh, 1960 with the Cuban Missile Crisis, or that period in the late 50s and the early 60s with the advent of the Civil Rights Movement, the lynching, the firebombing, the murder of children, and peaceful citizens that took place in, in this nation. We are not going to operate on rumor. We are not going to operate on anything other than our Constitution and our own goodwill. And I can assure you that the position of the city of Madison will not change. So, questions? Um, or do you think that the city should um, adopt stronger language as the resolutional ordinance, um, you know, to, to send a message in saying the city will protect residents who are adopted? Given 200 cities having taken positions on sanctuary, given our position, given what's already uh, uh, in the policies for the Madison Police Department, um, I, I really don't think it's necessary. We've, we've made our statement. We are going to be engaged in whatever the uh, Trump administration does. And, and the, finale, the, 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 
the, the finite differences of language. Uh, I, at this point, arguing among ourselves over that uh, is the least of our problems. Ice regularly contact uh, the Massive Police Department, or is it a few and far between situation? Typically, we were operating under the old, what they called the uh, Priority Enforcement Program criteria, otherwise the acronym is PEP. And if there were significant assaults, uh, people getting killed, serial sexual assaults, anything like that, anything that we would consider as felonies or some very significant misdemeanors as well. The occasion is, is that how this usually operates is we make the arrest based on probable cause. Person is then conveyed to the Dane County Jail. It's actually the Dane County Jail then that runs persons through those various databases, including the ICE database for naturalization standards. And then that's where that whole issue of the filing of the detainer comes into it. It's the sheriff's responsibility then to have that communicate, go back to ICE. ICE can ask that there be a hold. I think our county has asked that there be a probable cause hearing or a warrant for them to sustain the detainer. But clearly, we can all agree that serious, significant criminal behavior is understood and agreed by everyone, undocumented as well as documented, that that's harmful to the community. And I don't think that's what's at issue here at all. We have a, we, we cooperate fully in those contexts. What's your knowledge that the has never taken part in what's so-called roundup of undocumented immigrants? No. When I took office, I asked that the Chicago and Milwaukee offices come up here so that they had a clear across the table understanding of what my posture is towards this and that with all due respect that while we could act as a backup if needed that that wasn't a priority of enforcement for my department and our goals and missions. Uh, they were respectful about that, agreed to do that and there's been I believe two instances where they provided a courtesy call to our officer in charge just saying we're in your neighborhood, we know that uh, you are not going to assist us unless we have a problem, but we are doing that because we're in your neighborhood and we don't want to be mistaken for burglars. So. Just so we're clear, if you encounter someone that you suspect may be an illegal immigrant, you don't ask them on the spot to That's correct. their status? That's correct. Okay, but if you make an arrest only on a serious felony... Well, there's a whole list under the old PEP program, and again, I hear that through the dictum and through the executive orders that the PEP might be being a casualty roadkill to the Secure Cities program, which was much more, I'd say, obtrusive, comprehensive, and overextending, but that was an old program uh, that sort of fell upon the wayside because I think then the federal authorities recognized that this was having a, a deleterious effect on our ability to build community trust. And so my supposition, so all it is, is that if this is what the tone of the executive orders are, is that there might also be sort of a, a, a regression to looking at the Secure Cities Initiative, which would require a much more affirmative and broad-based reporting protocol. But right now, under the PEP program, we would have no affirmative responsibility to report anything but more significant crimes, some significant misdemeanors, but mostly felonies. But you don't have to report it. It's a sheriff. Technically, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely correct. They don't 
have a choice. Once the person is up in jail, they have to run them through the ICE database? That's my understanding. Sheriff Mahoney, of course, could speak to that better than I, but I think to, to their credit is that just because the request comes in, slap on a detainer, I think Sheriff Mahoney and some of his contemporaries have gone to the secondary step of saying, no, you don't get that as an automatic. There has to be a probable cause determination on why you want this person held indefinitely or a warrant to secure that. They're not just taking it carte blanche and assuming that that's their walking instruction. Your officers aren't out there on the street asking people if they're an illegal immigrant. Never, never. And if they do, I want, them, I want those names brought to me. Let me, let me just add in discussion that we had at the mayor's conference last week, this question of what would happen if it was required that every individual was detained and the estimate range from 10 to 20 years would be uh, the length of time to go through all of the hearings that would be required if, uh, if the law were turned into an ass, if you'll pardon that expression. Any other questions? How much money are we looking at as far as uh, possibly being without? That's that's interesting, um, and it also might be better answered by President Trump. But if you look at uh, certain funding programs, say for example transportation funding, it's very clear in the transportation acts that the funding cannot be withheld except for issues related to transportation. So, uh, good question. But I think we figured last year the city received about $30 million uh, in various forms for federal funds when you look at transportation, housing, uh, public safety, and, and so on. Any other questions? If not, thank you all very much. And stay tuned, because with this president, we may be back here tomorrow. Thanks for coming.